0: And welcome to another American Scouser Podcast. I am your host, Timuchin, as always, on a Monday evening over here with our usual crew. Ah, uh, the president of the Divac Origi fan club, Paul Bickler, is here. Bickler, what's happening? What's going on? Ah, uh, it's all good, it's all good. And with the red hoodie back in action, none it looks like the maid was in this week. We don't need the, the backgrounds blurred. Uh, Gally is with us. What's up Gally?
1: Yeah. Uh, I'll let Kelly know that you let her know that normally she doesn't clean well enough for these podcasts for your liking. I'll, I'll absolutely let her know that that's going to go over
0: great. She's going to love you in Chicago oh man uh, yeah no we'll uh, we'll root for kelly and fantasy or something we'll somehow make up for this okay <laughs> let's get back to the topic anyway ourselves any further here uh okay so bj Orlifes, greetings gentlemen and and bickler so oh i get it i get it that's a good joke is <laughs> it a joke that's the thing okay so here is the Actually, the question that BJ sent in. Hey, this trivia section is getting more and more popular, man, because I'm getting multiple questions submitted now. But well, let's go with BJ's question this week. We are playing Villarreal, so you guys should have known that it was going to be related. Name me the five players that has played for both clubs. And Bickler, go. Dude, this is
2: a fucking like slow pitch down the middle. Alberto Moreno. Okay. Alberto Moreno, <laughs> Alberto Moreno, Alberto Moreno, and Alberto Moreno.
0: Well, worth saying five times he was that good. Uh, what do you have there, Galley? Can you can you top this, Alberto Moreno? <laughs> <laughs> I figured yeah. you guys would get at least two or three of these. I, I didn't I have enough faith to have you guys get five of them, but I figured at least. No, know there's know. zero.
1: There was zero chance that we were going to get five combined, just so we're clear. So from yeah, I'm this going point down forward, the list
2: of like Spanish players. Manquillo, maybe? <laughs> like, like, I came from it? Atletico. are getting close.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, Manquillo came from Atletico Madrid. I just remember yeah. I was saying to myself, how could this guy ever be good enough to play there? Uh, oh, what was the. Um, who? Ali Sissoko?
0: Oh, really? Didn't he go there on loan? Uh... Not according to BJ. So we'll let this breathe because you guys are pretty stuck on this one, looks like. So for those who are listening, five players have played for both clubs, both <laughs> Liverpool and Villarreal. We threw 20% yeah. of them. That's pretty good. That, that is, well, for you guys, that's pretty darn good, actually. But, yeah, uh, Alberto Moreno was one of the correct answers Ah, there's another one right here. Oh, yeah. Um, How could we forget? How can you forget? Uh, Ray was like that was another one. See, Darren O'Connor has got this going on. Three more left, Darren, and anybody else listening live at the moment to give our guesses. So while people are brewing up those guesses, because God knows you guys are not going to come up with those names as we go. But let's talk about the weekend's. Uh, let's start with that. Let's start with the lineups, and then we'll talk a bit about the game. We'll talk a lot about, wow, Darren O'Connor has Reyna now. I don't know Darren is working the memory lane or working Google. I'm not sure, but that's another correct guess right now. So we have two names left. So, Gally, let's start with you. Um, We kind of, like, talked about it with the ratings uh, with Bickler, but in terms of the lineup, uh, is it pretty much what you expected or – were you shocked with the selection, especially for the front three?
1: Um, l- slightly shocked, but not really. I mean, I think that we had talked about it on uh, the Thursday pod that I did expect there to be some rotation for this match. Uh, little surprised Henderson doesn't make the starting lineup, but it makes sense because I understand you want him, um, you know, in that Champions League tie in that first leg he has been a little leggy, and Kate has been playing well. We've all talked about it here, uh, the nervousness we have when Kate is on the right and plays offset offset of Thiago. I think we saw a little bit of that. I'm sure we'll get into it. I was a little bit surprised there wasn't any rotation at the back just with the number of matches we have coming, um, and I thought that we should have been prepared for them to be – their setup to be with the way it was. It might have been an opportunity to maybe give some legs a little bit of a rest. But I just think we're going to see this lineup the rest of the way. And I think we're going to get slight rotation. You know, we've talked about it before. I think we have four starters in the front, four starters in the midfield. And we're going to see a mixture of three of them each
0: time. So, Bigler, we kind of like talked about this in the ratings video. Obviously, everything comes out with that formation. And I've been kind of like following a bunch of stuff. Uh, Since then, I should say, like online in terms of because when we were talking in the Discord fan channel um, during the game or after the game, even in like some of the Facebook groups, everybody was like, well, they should be like, you know, if I was an Everton fan, i would be embarrassed about this lineup and stuff like that. Should an Everton fan be embarrassed with the performance or the type of football they played or you just got to take your best chance? And this was really it.
2: I mean, there's lots of things to be embarrassed about. I don't know, like, I don't think you put that lineup out and you think that's the thing that I'm embarrassed about. I mean, they've spent so poorly for so long. I mean, it's not even spending poorly. I feel like they've gotten some pretty good players that's just underperformed. So, I mean, I think they put out, like, probably the best lineup they could put out. And it just, I mean, credit to them for sticking in and making it messy at least, you know what I mean? Like, we talked about this on the pod. I felt like it was really, really two feathers from the same bird. In the in the in a sense, in the fact that like we just got done playing United, right? Who's a shit team, and we're playing Everton, who's a shit team. The difference is one is full of like quality players who who doesn't want to fight for anything, and the other one at least was down for a fight. At least understanding that it was like a war of the streets with Liverpool. At least, you know what I mean. At least they're going to go down in some regard. They've got relegation too, but I. I think that was more about Liverpool than it was relegation, to be quite fair. Um, And uh, they were up for a scrap. Like, total shit, Asri, when you're wasting time at the 12-minute mark. But um, the counter to that is you score and they're not wasting time anymore. So it just took us a while to get there.
0: So let me ask you then, Gally, in terms of, like, the football they played, or, you know, what they wanted to do, which was kind of like a poor man's Atletico. Poor, not in the sense of the money spent, because God knows they spent a ton of money. But in terms of quality and performance, I mean, is that something that... I mean, I think we kind of all expect him to be defensive, because let's face it, that's the only shot they had. But in terms of, like, the amount of Schiffhauser they did and the time killing was way over the top. I mean... Were you shocked to see that? Should an Everton fan should be embarrassed to see that? Or what do you make of it?
1: I mean, I think an Everton fan should be embarrassed that it's April 25th and there's a chance that they're going down. I mean, it's a club that hasn't been relegated in 60 years, has, you know, had times in the last 30 years where it was at least competitive towards spots in Europe, but always pretty much until the last four or five seasons has been a top half of the table season. Team from the start of the season so if I'm embarrassed it's at the it's at the sheer place in which the club allowed itself to get to through bad spending poor managerial decisions and hirings. um the Benitez thing was an absolute train wreck we all said it would never work and they actually dug in and stuck in longer than they should have and they put fat Frank in a spot that he almost couldn't come back from even though he was the worst possible appointment that they ever could have made at the time in which they did. So if I'm embarrassed, that's what it's about. To Paul's point, they looked like a club that was trying to steal a point. And, you know, anyone who watched Leeds this afternoon, I don't think Leeds supporters are, you know, throwing bouquets of roses at Jesse Marsh's feet for the setup and the opportunity they took at Crystal Palace today. But they're going to take that point because it's going to be really meaningful at the end of the year. So I think that if if Everton had dogged it and done 90 minutes of time wasting and rolling around on the ground and allowed Richarlison to fake five more injuries of feigned, you know, fraught on the ground, I still think Everton walks out of that saying that's a point, that's a point earned. And at the same time, they'd know that they took two points off of us on our way to trying to win a quadruple. And I think that was as much them about fighting off relegation as it was them trying to steal a couple points away from Liverpool and have something to hang their hat on. Because I I really do believe that they had no other option yesterday than to play the way they did. If they came at
0: us at all, we scored three goals. to While I understand that, and I mean, you kind of expected that, I honestly did not expect them to be this reserve them back in hiding as they were i mean the possession numbers i, I don't even i don't remember like the last time we saw something like that i mean we dominated like united and the numbers weren't that bad so for it to be that bad at the end of the game even after 1-0 you would think they would kind of like boost those numbers like a little bits you know trying to come back and stuff but it almost like they were trying to hang on to 1-0 till the last 10 minutes and then have a go at it. So let's go back to the game. A couple of moments I want to talk about that I see a lot of discussion online. Then we'll get back to the Everton's misery and kind of uh, enjoy that afterwards. But the penalty situations. uh, Bickler, the first one where Gordon takes like a really bad... I mean, I know he's young, but man, if you're going to take a dive, you'll learn how to take a dive because I feel like someone more talented and more experienced striker, Keita does leave the foot in there. I mean, might have earned that penalty. And it would have been, you know, when you look at VAR, I don't think it would overrule it. He takes a really bad dive and it's not a penalty. What did you make of this scenario in the second half when he gets pushed slightly in the back? I could have seen it going both ways. I think both of us actually on Discord channel said that's kind of like a risky challenge to make there. Uh, yeah. What do you make of it? Is it like a just a simple case of, almost like crying wolf. He takes a dive in the first half. So the second situation gets looked at differently.
2: Well, I think it's kind of 50, 50, right? I think, I mean, I think that call could probably go either way. Um, but w- I've done this. I mean, I did this loads as a striker. I-, I think, you know, that when you're, when you're racing onto a ball like that, um, when you check your speed just a little bit, you're waiting for that contact, right? You're, you're initi- And that's what I felt like he did. Even, even though it was at full pace, I felt like he just did just at the end, just held up a little bit initiating, like kind of initiating that contact through the back. Um, But the problem is, is like you can't put your hands up and you can't talk about it to the press after the game. When there's 12 yellow cards for simulation, in the Premier League and your team is responsible for half of them. Like you don't get, you don't get that fucking argument anymore. You don't, you just, um, you don't get to go in front of the cameras and make that case.
0: How about you, Gally? I mean, is it just because he kind of set himself up? If he doesn't maybe take the dive in the first half, he might get the call in the second half?
1: Yeah, I, I, well, first off, from the first half, I think there was a little bit of contact. So at first, I thought it was a little harsh on the kid to throw the yellow at him for simulation when we have seen worse, pure simulations. I think in that moment, though, it wasn't just the throwing himself to the ground as terribly as he did it was rolling over and flailing his arms at the official and looking right at him like this. And then he realizes, man, the guy's as close as my light stand is right over my monitor right here. And he's going for his yellow and not pointing to the spot because he saw that it was slight contact. And then he saw the theatrics. And I don't know, um, Mark Clattenburg writes an article, uh, kind of assessing referees and talking about different key uh, moments And he basically said, the unfortunate thing about this kid is, inside the referee's circles, he already has a reputation as being a player who is looking to con officials into all calls all over the pitch. And he did it all day long. So Atwell was thinking about it before the match started. Atwell saw the dive. And then it was going to take a stone wall kick to the back of the knees for him to get the penalty. And I think that honestly is the reason the penalty wasn't awarded because though he does slow his speed down and he, he's looking for the contact in the second half, there is clear separation of Matip's arm going away from his body and you can see it on Gordon's body. Like He could have called it if he wanted to and I genuinely believe If this might be a different team that isn't acting that way, I think that penalty is awarded more times than not. But it was never being awarded in that match. The way that that match was being played and the shithousery that Everton was doing from minute 12 all the way up to that penalty, they weren't getting any help from the officials yesterday. And that doesn't mean the officials were helping Liverpool. Honestly, And to Paul's point, I just want to agree with it. You got to just shut the fuck up when you are a young kid. Because that kid, he's got the world at his feet as far as Everton is concerned. There were times yesterday he was the best player on the pitch on either side. And he was playing with with 10 other garbage individuals. But he left himself looking like a joke when he should have left himself looking like the only positive thing at Everton. Sorry, Paul. No, I was just
2: going to say this kid's got a boatload of talent and it's really a shame that Lampard's his manager because like the stuff that that we're talking about regarding, you know, the way that he simulates and his actions on the pitch. Lampard's literally the last manager in the world you want handling a kid like that because that's how his Chelsea team was. They were the worst at simulating. That team was the worst team that I think I've ever seen outside of a Liga team at crowding a referee like that team used to just intimidate referees in like just nonstop hazery on that team, which was a shame because that Chelsea team that Lampard was on was full of huge talent. They didn't need to play like that, but that's how Lampard was as a player. I don't expect it to be any different as a manager
0: coach and a young kid. Yeah, I think in the first scenario – I know what you're saying, Galley. in terms of, like, you know, some other situations not getting yellow card, but I thought it was, like, just too obvious. It's almost like a split-second thing where he thought he could keep going. Half a second later, he's like, oh, shit, I should have just taken that contact and fell. So it's too obvious when you take a dive like that, whereas sometimes it's kind of hard to make that call between contact that's not a penalty and actual dive. And the second one, I mean, yeah, He did take a look at it. I'm just amazed it didn't go to, like, VAR and, like, a huge review and stuff. Because I felt like, even during the broadcast, they mentioned that it looked a lot worse in slow motion than when it was live. When it was live, it just looked like shoulder-to-shoulder, bodies coming together, both going for the ball and continue play. But it seemed to be, like, the biggest... Everton whining talking points through odds like for what I've seen. And, you know, I kind of like all day I was seeing, oh, you know, Everton fans will be embarrassed and stuff like that. Honestly, they kind of consider they know kind of like what we were talking that they're nowhere close to our quality right now. And this was as ugly as it was. It was their only chance of, you know, getting a point. Maybe you get lucky, you know, on a counter, a set piece or something like that. You get three points. This was their only chance. It's just, you know, when you consider yourself and when you spend money like one of the big boys, you definitely expect not to be in the situation in the first place, kind of like what Galley's is saying, I guess. But even within that situation, almost like, I guess, good on Lampard to have the entire club and the team swallow their pride and do what they got to do to get a point. It just looked extremely ugly. Like I say, I was like, uh, this is you guys are pulling a very, very lame version of a Atletico Madrid style over here. But so the first half, I mean, let's face it, they did do well, and we kind of played into their game, game stopping nonstop, people rolling around, people holding their heads. And man, they got to come up with something with this hand, face, Uh, we got to stop the game because it's a head injury kind of thing because there is no way in hell there was this much contact to the head before (laughs) and we didn't see it. Like suddenly everybody is on the ground holding their head now uh, just to be able to like stop the game. Well, we did kind of pull into it. Second half, we start a bit better. Then the substitutions come, Vickler. Does that... Let me ask you this. I mean, I know we were not going to start with Divac, even though... You know, football without Divac is nothing. But did you, do you think if we started with Diaz, the first time would not be as stagnant or it was just a matter of us falling into Everton's trap anyway?
2: Uh, I think it would have been better with Diaz starting, yes, because I think I just don't love the idea of Jota on the left side without Bobby. Uh, I think him on the left with Mane centrally just doesn't seem to click, doesn't work. Um, so I think it would have been better had Diaz started, but I also think that, um, when you're going into a physical match like this in your, an hour in, and you see Diaz coming off the bench, that's like the last thing you want to fucking see. So like, I, I think that that's like a hell of an impact sub too. You know what I mean? Cause you've got Diaz, who's just going to come out there and burn you with pace. And then you got like Origi, who just figured out that he's bigger than 5'8", like two weeks ago, and does a really good job at like basically holding people up now. Um, so I think they're both both good subs. Um, I think, yeah, we're probably marginally better if Diaz starts, but I'm off the bench. I mean, he's a game changer.
0: What do you think, Gally? I mean, Diaz, obviously he's a lot more direct as well, which kind of like helps the cause uh, in a game like this where – I mean, I was talking about in our ratings video yesterday. It felt like before he came on the left-hand side, we were never trying to go all the way to the goal line. And, like, at least even threatening it so that you open some space in the middle. It felt like we were kind of doing the same thing in the corner of the box and going backwards. So they almost didn't have an area to defend between the corner of the box and the end line. Uh, What do you make of that? I mean, the... Minus Divac, I guess, is that the ultimate trio now for this team, Diaz, Mane, Mo? Yeah. So that was one of the questions I posed the guys
1: on Thursday night was, you know, have we really, have we kind of unearthed Jurgen's new first 11? You know, should we expect when we play in the FA Cup final and hopefully the Champions League final that that front three is going to be Mane, Mo, and Diaz and this midfield is going to be you know, Hendo, Fab, and Tiago, And I truly believe that front, you know, six is what we will be going forward with. I also believe they can't start every single match. And I think that we, this was a game that kind of screamed for your poacher in the box. If you don't get many opportunities, I think starting Jota made sense in this match. He had been rested a couple matches. He was, you know, firmly with the bit in his teeth, ready to go. I probably would have started him through the center and, and put Mane out on the left, even though Mane is playing so well in the mid middle of the pitch because these guys know their jobs. We don't have a problem yanking Mane and dropping him on the right when we give Mo 15 minutes off during the whole season. Why should we worry about sending Mane back to the left because he's playing so well right now in the middle? And I think when you have five pieces that all fit very well and three of them can play In multiple positions, you have to start everyone from the best spot. But to Paul's point, I think Diaz coming off the bench was absolutely imperative. And I think we're going to see it in other matches this year where Klopp is going to expect them to play 10-11 behind the ball. I think Villa is going to play exactly like Everton with this much more attacking prowess in him because Gerrard attacks that much more than Lampard does. So – I wouldn't be surprised to see Villa sit back against us for good chunks of that match, and I think having a guy like Diaz that can come in and just terrorize an entire side of the pitch absolutely puts the entire defense on edge at a time when they're frill, a little bit weaker, and ready for you know that one or two second, that one or two moments where they check out. And I think having an impact sub like that is. So underrated. And there was so long when we were envious of all the attacking options City had. And it used to be that, right? With 10 minutes to go, they could put in a fresh Sterling or a fresh Maris and run at some other weak defender. And then they'd win with a late goal. And I think we're starting to see that here. This depth has really changed the way I watch matches and think the team is preparing. And it just shows you know, maybe we were all wrong. Klopp likes a little bigger squad. He just wants all of them to be at the level of talent that his starters have. And now he kind of
0: has Yeah, I think that's something that, you know, most people don't realize, especially if they didn't play defense, is that is not as easy as it looks. Parking the bus is, I mean, on paper, it looks like, well, it's not a lot of work. You're not allowing. But if you're playing against a good team, it is a lot of running and it's nonstop focused because you never have the ball. So at all times, you're watching players and the ball and that can really get to you and wear you down and yeah bringing those stubs and i think moving forward you know once we go to five subs that's even going to be even more valuable to be able to i mean obviously the opposing team will be able to bring fresh defenders too but that's not the same thing because a fresh defender if they're not used to the pace of the game and everything like that can actually hurt you whereas a new attacker coming in can really help the cause having said that though bickler Would if Bobby was available, would you want Bobby to start against a defense that's sitting so deep?
2: Yes. I mean, just because he's another number in the midfield and he opens up space for for Diaz, for Jota, for Mo, whoever's up there. He opens up that space in a way that no none of our other players really do. Um, Yeah, so for sure. I mean, I don't know. You know, he's not locked. He's not a locked in starter anymore. But I think he's like Bobby's Bobby. He's a unicorn, and I think he does some, like, really, really important things for that setup.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously the main man, Divok, also comes in, makes a big impact. He's involved in the first goal, obviously scores the second goal. Gally, we know Bickler is going to miss him and we will shed a tear. Uh, do you think the squad will miss Divac, and if we do replace Divac, and I think you will almost have to uh, to have an additional striker that's available on the bench. Um, what kind of a player would you look for?
1: Uh, well, I mean, like <laughs> you want to talk about a unicorn? Like we call Bobby a unicorn because there's nobody else like him in the world, and you know there's only one, and it's extinct. It might not even exist. We don't even know if it's real, and that's why I kind of always felt that way about Bobby. If Bobby's a unicorn, I don't even know what the hell Divock is. He really is an enigma because you can't figure the guy out. He's had times where he plays amazingly well for stretches. He has times where he just drifts around the pitch for 20, 30 minutes as a sub and then pops up and scores the winner. Like he did against wolves where he did nothing. I think he had three touches in the second half against wolves. And then he scores the extra time winner. Um, He's made some amazingly huge and big, big goals, but ultimately at the end of his Liverpool career, I'm going to remember him as a legend. And then I'm just going to question if he had a little more drive, a little bit more desire to be as great as his attributes appear to be that he couldn't have had or made himself a much bigger part of the process for the seven or eight years. I mean,
0: Is it the drive, though, or is it the situation he is in? I mean, no matter how much drive Divok has, he's not going to surpass that trio we had in the last two, three seasons with the front three just because he's not really a winger either. So so he would have to play in the middle. he,
1: He sat behind Dominic Solanke when Dominic Solanke played 11 consecutive matches off the bench without a goal for the club. There was something happening that made him keep falling down the pecking order. He was at our club when, when Verrini was here. I mean, there, there were other times it's a big, big game player. Absolutely. But I just, there was never, for me, there was never enough consistency and I do think the injury against Everton when he was really just starting to kick on, the only time he was ever close to being a first 11 player was right before that injury against Everton with the broken leg. Um, you know, Funyas Mori or whatever the hell his name was, that thug. Um, I just I just look at it. We we signed him off him usurping uh, Lukaku at a World Cup at 19 years old and earning starts for Belgium in the knockout rounds. And when we signed him, he was going to be the next big star. And I think when we look at it, he turned out to be a legend. But I'm not sure that... He actually lived up to all of his potential in town. And I don't know if that's just him. And maybe he'll go off to AC Milan and go have a second swan song part of his career. But don't you, Paul, think he's going to end up a lot like he is here? Scoring some big goals, playing some meaningful minutes.
2: Yeah. I mean, I I tend to see that more than I tend to see him going to being an every game starter and banging in 30 in Serie A. I mean, I think like we did, we talked about that a little bit in ratings and like, I think, I think I said, like, Timushin asked me what I think his gold t- total is going to be, and I was, like, I think 12, like, around 12, 12 to 15 throughout the season is what I see. Um, I mean, he's still really young, but that's just kind of how I see him, him, his trajectory. I don't see him – I don't know. Like, it's so hard to say because I don't know, like – I don't know how much football really means to Origi. You know, it sounds crazy to say, but I really don't. Like, he's – He's been so vocal about his other hobbies and th- and that's okay. I don't think every foot I don't think every footballer has to live and die the sport. He clearly doesn't. So but I just to me it's like is he going to go to Serie A and he, is he is he the guy that's going to demand playing time? Is he going to be the guy that like puts himself in the lineup week in and week out just because he works so hard you can't take him out? I don't see that.
0: See, I think that's kind of like unfair on Divac, to be honest with you. I mean, that injury is what kind of like put him back almost a couple of years at the time. And he's still a young dude, but he did put, you know, go back. And those are the times Mm -hmm. where he kind of like lost the spot and took a long time for him to come back. And mind you, I had totally forgotten about that. So in the next conversation, when we talk about Everton and... I'm freaking dying for him to get relegated now. We can kind of like refer to that as well. I had totally forgotten about that injury that they awarded us. But I feel like, you know, it's not a matter of desire. I really feel like it was more of a matter of opportunity. And he was happy with getting limited opportunities. And let's face it, he's made the most of those opportunities when he's gotten them. Um, It could be one of those situations where, you know, he does better we kind of like talked about how some players are better coming off the bench and to be able to like utilize what they've seen throughout the game but I think he it was really impossible almost for him to earn more minutes in a starting role when you had the trio we had off top and the chemistry they had with like Sadio, yeah. Mo and
2: yeah. I agree with that and I should clarify I don't think it's a lack of effort that kept him out of the lineup I think it's just the quality in front of him
0: I think, yeah, it's the quality in front of him. And perhaps the style, you know, we talk about, you know, when we talk about, you know, Mane being able to play in multiple spots, Mo can also play in the middle. I don't think Divac can really play on the wing as much, similar to what we tried to do with Ox. I mean, it just does not work as well. Uh, He still does the work rate. He still does what he has to do, but I don't think he's suited for it just because he has the speed. I think he should be more in the middle, or maybe like in a two forward situation. I don't know what they're gonna have in Milan, but I really think he's gonna do well in Italy. Um I can see a bunch of goals coming from them. But don't what the bit Bickler was saying, I don't know if he'll be like a regular starter either. But I think he kind of gets like an unfair um what you wanna call it? Like Most people think he's, I mean, he kind of, the way he carries himself, I guess, like very casual, like, like Bickler makes fun of him. He's always on like Instagram and stuff. I mean, he kind of like carries himself like that. But I think if he was like that, we know Club would not even give him these chances. He has to be doing something in practice to be able to stay in the squad for all these years.
1: There's no question there. And, And to Paul's point, I wasn't saying I don't think he doesn't work hard. I had said at the end, Will remember his amazing goals. I wonder if some will question whether or not he could have lived up. He could have lived up to more of the potential that he had.
0: And but he when was, you mention the su- drive, I think we kind of take that as he wasn't pushing himself. I think regardless of how much drive and how much he pushed himself, he was not going to surpass that front three
1: because well, he's, he's no surpassed.
0: Not not surpassing the front three
1: was fine. He also went large periods of time where he wasn't winning substitution, where Ox was getting played over him. Minute, minute. Where at one point, Taki was getting played over him. Like, we, we, we remember the big moments because there's so many of them. But there were also a lot of matches at Burnley where we needed a goal late, and he sat on the bench, and a midfielder came in to change things up. And, you know, there – and again, I, I went back to Dominic Solanke. Solanke got more run than him. Rian Brewster for two months got more run than him, and he was healthy in the South. So there's, there is something to it where I think Klopp knows how to get the absolute best out of him like he gets the best out of everyone. I just don't know if he's as motivated when he gets to Milan as he is at Liverpool. And I think part of it was, was he liked being second fiddle but still being a big part. And I think, to your point, I think the manager gets the most out of them. I mean, if you heard the hug, I mean, the, the audio picked it up. I made the comment in the Discord channel. When Klopp hugs him in the center of the pitch, USA basically had the mic right there, and you could almost hear him say, I'll always love you. You'll always be one of my favorites. I'll follow your career forever. Like, and to me, it just made it, like, that's that man management. That's that. He knew he was giving him one more moment in the sun. And like usual, Divock stepped up and took it.
0: Yeah, I like I say, I have uh, kind of like high hopes of moving forward. And I mean, obviously it's not possible, but would have loved to keep him, to be honest with you. I mean, we made a lot of jokes in the past and stuff, but in some ways, like you're saying, maybe if he was given those opportunities... Instead of, you know, a great opportunity for Ox, as we like to joke about, uh, maybe he would have gotten even more goals. But dude definitely deserves a statue, and he will be missed. Let's talk about – well, let's finish off this um, – the trivia question first, I guess. So we had Ray, thanks to Darren O'Connor. We had Reina, thanks to Darren again. And we had Alberto Moreno five times, thanks to Bickler – uh, the names we're missing are Jose Enrique and Jan oh, yeah. Kromkamp, who I honestly do not remember. What's the last one? Kromkamp. Yeah, I wouldn't have gotten that one. Yeah, I I'd probably need a, I could have studied it three Ho- years. Jose, before. we should have gotten. Got well, we can thank BJ. Both, for both
2: Jose's we should have gotten.
0: While we're looking at some numbers and all that kind of stuff, let's take a look at fantasy because I think we ended up skipping it last week because at this point, I'd rather not see it because Kelly is not on top anymore either. But Kelly is only 14 points behind. Uh, Dan Pintock, I guess my curse and my jinx has worn out because he's back up in the second spot. After I talked to him, he had stumbled uh, poor Dan Bennett. I can't even see the guy anymore. He's down to 13. He was like number two at one point, and I had chatted with him to bring them onto like a podcast at one point. And yeah, that was his curse. He's like down to 13 right now. And Bickler, the unnecessary pet drama, had climbed up all the way up there. What were you like five or six at one point? Yeah, hey, just I-
2: proof that there's not a curse strong enough to keep this bastard down.
0: <laughs> You are the curse yourself. Yep. So you are now eighth though, having a rough week, looks like. Galley is 14th. Uh Galley is shooting for a top 10 at this point, I assume, right, Galley? Yeah, that's the, the the goal is to get as high as
1: possible. Get inside the top ten. <laughs> and, and hope the wife, hope the wife purely doesn't finish first, right? That's basically about the only two things I can Oh risk.
2: man. The note of oh, dejection in Gally's voice is just oh, one of the guys. best things I've ever heard in my life.
0: I'm even get a microphone so that speak. stands that <laughs> it's just a dial going crazy over here. Just,
2: just, just oh, you're Coach. a shell of yourself right now, Gally.
0: <laughs> True. Poor Can't Gally. Uh, he was in the race at one point. Uh, where is the Polish prince? Has he fallen even further? I don't even see him anymore either, or is he still up there battling with? I think he's near me. Real talk, no, he's up there. Listen, 17.
2: Real talk. If I finish top 10, it, it is all the evidence the world needs that this is the worst fantasy game on the planet. If, like, I can. If somebody like me can take a like a full like a full competition across a season and place top 10, it's a garbage game. Like it's
0: <laughs> but I am making a comeback people. I realized I can press those buttons on the bottom properly and get bonuses or something. So I did the bench thing as a last hurrah over here. I'm trying to go up like but I'm in the same category as Galley now, trying to go as high as possible. We're in the same boat, up to 33. I'm hoping for a top 25. That'll be pretty impressive. I will take that and run with it. But the ultimate goal still is having Galley—I mean, having Kelly—win this thing. So to offset, I, I hope Royce she pulls it out. But what was that? Not,
1: has not been going. I said, I hope she pulls it out. It has not been going that well for the last few weeks. But hey, four or five weeks left in the year, and we'll see what happens.
0: Well, at least she won't be relegated like Everton possibly can. So this is like kind of like a huge conversation uh, online in our LFC America group. And I've seen it all, all over the place. Uh, and I can see the fans being divided. And you could hear in the stadium that they are, there is a lot of, I mean, I know some of it is banter and just the, like to rub it in. Uh, But there are a lot of Liverpool fans who would not mind Everton going down. I was on the fence. And if I had to pick between Sean Douche and Everton, I would have picked Sean Douche. But now that he's gone, I'm actually rooting for Burnley to really kick Sean in the balls a second time around after his firing by having Burnley stay. And that equates to Everton going down. So it's a win-win for me. And you just reminded me of another injury they have given us and not being originally from Liverpool and having a Harry Potter brother uh, that we talked about that roots for United, that is the biggest, bigger rivalry for me. Uh, By the way, I do have a picture that we will have to post at one time. I'll bring it to the next podcast where uh, my nephew sent me. Uh, my brother, Shaven, looks exactly like the actor himself. So I love that
2: this is slowly matriculating itself through the entire family.
0: Isn't it is outstanding. <laughs> but, um, where do you stand on that, Bickler? I know there's a lot of talk about, you know, some fans saying like, oh, you guys don't get it. No freaking, we get it. We don't give a damn. Or to us, it's not as big of a deal. I know it's a big deal for the city, uh, you know, economically and stuff like that. It brings a lot of things, but, at the end of the day, especially if you were on the fence and was not sure, this game should have probably aid you to the side where rooting for him to get relegated.
2: Look, here's the thing, like, I'll, and I'll start from a sympathetic angle just to make it fair. Let's say I had relatives in Liverpool. I wouldn't give a shit how sad they were if their team was that poorly managed. The amount of money that they've spent in the last decade is absolutely ridiculous compared to what they put on the field like what the production they've got they they've sold these players for pennies on the dollars to the middle east like foreign leagues it's, it's insane it's literally insane like i feel like they put a hamster in a fucking office and ran that club it would be better off like <laughs> i don't feel bad for them i just picture that that's a good one <laughs> i mean i'm probably like i mean you could probably make comments about my character and my relationship with my family which is all fair but like seriously <laughs> i wouldn't i wouldn't like how do you feel bad when like a club is that run that poorly? And then like, you know, their fucking behavior at the game was terrible. When we went through we went through the shit at City, right? At the at the Cub semi. We went through City. We went through Everton. These are all these fucking clubs have on us. That's all they have on us. Is talking like in a way that's like derogatory to fans that we've lost in tragedies. Like, that's all they have. And for everybody who was on the fence on Everton, if you're on the fence at all and you watch that match in its entirety and what they did on the pitch and how the fans acted before the game and how the fans acted after the game, trashing stuff in the concourse, breaking TVs, singing about like just death mocking after the game, like you're you should be off
0: the fence by now. How about you, Gally? I mean, I think it's a bit. Kind of like what Bickler says, we are kind of like obviously we're neither one of us are from Liverpool, uh, so we don't have the split families or whatever the cases might be. But I mean, I can say personally, I will love United to go down. I don't care how much my brother cries. Uh so that doesn't affect me. I think in terms of like, you know, socially or economically, it might affect the city that we will we're kind of like foreign to over here, literally and figuratively. But where do you stand on the issue?
1: So I'm going to say this. My gut tells me that Everton supporters will still show up for all their home games and sell out Goodison because they actually seem like they root for that group of fucking thugs and shit assholes. So for that, they'll have more home games next year because they're going to get to play 46 matches instead of 38, right? So for that, they'll get a few more open gates. There'll be just as many people going through all the different pubs and places that they need. So I'm not sure the city takes the huge hit from a financial standpoint, and if it does to those um, businesses that rely on the match day revenue from Everton, okay, I'm sorry. For the whole talk about the chance in the stadium, I don't really care what Nick or his fraud friend who happened to be in the stadium might have reported back to him. Those chants were real. The chants were coming from three-quarters of the stadium about them going down. That wasn't just banter. That was a response to their vile chants prior to the match, their attitude in the walk-up to the stadium, and the way that they were treating our supporters. We had videos in our Discord channel of our own friend going into the match with his sister being harassed by people all over the place. So, you know, I don't really have any sympathy for them. The club has run terribly. They've hired poor managers, and they have absolutely wasted young talent that they have brought through their own ranks. They buy poor players, they run it poorly, and they can have themselves a great time. And for me, the most fitting and classic thing will be when they fire Fat Frank and they hire your buddy Sean Douche to try to help them get out of the relegation battle. If you think I'm kidding, I think it's a legitimate chance it could happen. Because Sean Dyche wants a Premier League job. He ain't going to get one. And he's going to take a championship job that he thinks can bring him back up. And I think Everton will believe they're coming right back up, and they'll be nowhere near it for years to come. I think they go down, and we don't play a Merseyside Derby in the league for at least three seasons.
2: Let's not forget, this is the Everton team that when we were relegated in the 50s, wheeled out a coffin in front of Anfield.
0: Okay? Thank you. I mean – what, yeah, this do? whole thing about, and I don't know, I, like I say, in the old days, I mean, I hear the same thing, you know, in like Turkey, for example. Oh, we used to go to the games together, sit next to each other, and stuff like that. Now there's like literally 10 rows of cops, like sitting in between, like literally 10 rows of cops going up and down between the corners. I think that whole, it's the friendly derby, blah 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 stuff is kind of like slightly in the past. And I think that's why you're usually hearing some of the older fans kind of like go for that because they've been there where it was a friendlier derby and it was more just banter maybe and stuff like that. Not as much hatred. I mean, it's sad, I guess, in some ways that it kind of has like divided more and more. But we, I mean, like I say, I see the same thing in like a derby in Istanbul between like Fenerbahce and Galtas and stuff. So I mean, that's this whole thing about oh, it's a front of the Derby, they love each other, and stuff like that. We saw how much they love each other on the field, and it's not just this game, we've seen it every freaking game where they've injured our players, and they've been proud of injuring our players when we lost Van Dyke and basically derailed an entire freaking season, and they were proud of it. And that short ass short arm asshole is winking after freaking like diving and stuff like that. Like as he got I mean, that's whole thing in the ninety-first minute with Ellison going down on his knees after catching that ball, that just made my day. Just made my day. I would have taken like just just happy all day long.
1: I didn't get to watch your guys' ratings yet. What did you guys give Allison for a rating for the match?
0: I know I I gave him bonus points for that. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Because I I think, honestly, I don't read a lot of ratings, but I happened to see the Anfield Raps today, and it was spot on. The guy gave him a 10, and in his write-up he wrote, you get a one for that one time they asked you to do anything all match. And I give you a nine for taking the piss out of Jordan Henderson. And if I could give you nine more, I would. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. And the fact that Allie, of all people, did that, just shows that it was getting under the skin of the whole team, and it also shows that Jurgen gave them the goddamn business at the half in that dressing room and said to them, like, "We're not going to let them do this. They're not going to do this here. We're going to score, and when we do, let's give it to them." Because I, I feel like Ali had that waiting all match long, and as soon as he could, and he took that dive, the smile he had when he looked up, uh, it was it was absolutely class. So uh, for me. That was one of the highlight moments. But for all the people out there that are worried about them going down because of the six points we get, if you look at the last 10 years, it hasn't been six points every year. There's been a shit ton of 0-0 zero, zero draws played out just like that piece of shit game. And the double doink would have been another 0-0 zero, zero draw if Short Arms wasn't a freaking idiot. So for me, get them out of this goddamn league plainly because I don't want to watch two of those every year. It's not entertaining football. They muck up the game, and sometimes they muck up our opportunity at better and greater things by us playing down to their level. So bring up whoever, you know, send me up Forrest and give me nice, energetic, high energy game matches like we had in the FA Cup and get these pieces of shit out of here. You know, I, I'd rather Tranmere make
0: it up, honestly, if we need it done. Well, JL will be happy. Uh, BJ for <laughs> 22 red cards in the PL Derby matches. Uh, mostly yeah. And I can understand that. I think, you know, when the game means so much, it is going to be tense. And that's natural. There is going to be some nasty fouls. It's very tense because winning the game means so much. It's months and months of bragging rights and stuff. So I can understand that. Been there, done that. I've seen that. Maybe that's why, like, a United win... Means a lot more to me because I can make fun of Harry Potter brother uh, for like months now. Actually, he will not talk Premier League till probably September ish. All right, is what I'm guessing right now. Bring up, bring up that comment.
1: So,
0: okay, uh,
1: there's the Marky comment. There we go. No, because no. I, I, I'm gonna respond. If, if someone's gonna say sorry, I disagree with you. You can you can tell you're not from Liverpool. We have made this clear on this podcast. None of us are from Liverpool. We are speaking from the spot of a person who supports this club, watches every match, pays attention to it, writes articles, and does our best to bring you content. If you don't like our opinions, I'm all for it. And please keep the comments coming. We like the dissenting ones more than the spot-on galley, honestly. All right? I'll speak And honestly, galley.
0: I don't...
1: But no don't... But don't come at me with I'm not from Liverpool. Because that's up there with you've never been to Anfield. I'm just coming down on this because I think, it's, no, it's, no, I don't know what you're a
0: lot. Knowing Sparky Seriously. Park in his comments before, I think what he's trying to say is, you know, we do not understand and I honestly still don't understand how like families can be split and stuff and why some of the fans, because honestly, our mindsets, us three, for example, or any fans in the US, we can't understand how anybody cannot want them to go down. But... It's not only a matter of like, oh, people from Liverpool still want them to say because I mean there are comments here from people who are from UK and from Liverpool. Our shiny teeth friend David Cosgrove being one of them. Yeah, I mean one of our one of our main. Like the, I think Liverpool fans, even if they are from Liverpool, are split. But I mean, to Sparky's point, I think we even find it. I don't know. I don't want to speak on your behalf, guys, as well, but. I think us three find it even difficult to understand how somebody can say, No, I don't want them to get relegated. Does that sound fair? Yeah, no, I just I think here's my thing like, okay, if you're going
2: to say you guys aren't from Liverpool, you don't understand it, great. But I mean, so you better be fucking right. In 99% of the people that are in Liverpool better feel this way. That's not the case. I mean, we have one that's one of our primary like contributors in the Discord channel who lives in Liverpool now. And he. he He would rather Everton – and and this is a serious comment. He would rather Everton go down and we lose the league than we win the league and Everton stay up. I couldn't believe why
0: he said that, by the way. Like the
2: the you're not from Liverpool thing, like I feel feel both sides. Like, yes, we're not – we don't understand the dynamics of like the sociopolitical like climate on the streets in Liverpool. But what we do know is that the majority of the people are very split on this. So when you say you're not from Liverpool, that's not fair because it's very split.
1: And my point is I appreciate Sparky. Sparky Parky is one of our best contributors on here. He comments and there are just as many positive statements from him about our comments, even mine sometimes. Um, I just that one strikes a nerve. I won't uh, you know, I will admit it. And I can imagine if you have the family relationships and you don't want, you know, I remember the night the Red Sox won the World Series and my mom's not a big baseball fan, but she knew how much it meant to me. She stayed up till like two thirty three o'clock in the morning till I came home from the bar so she could like give me a hug because she knew what a big deal it was. And like, I get that. But at the same time, I just don't in this forum where we're giving opinions, talking about what we like to get told. Basically, it's not worth as much because I don't live there. When we advertise ourselves as an American site, I, that's where I came back from. And I understand it and I respect it. It just comes back to like, we're going to give you our opinion because that's what we're really supposed to do. And I won't miss seeing them here, but I also don't have a family member or two that will be so dis. Distraughtly hurt, but that probably to Paul's point speaks more about the yeah, way it speaks I look more at about family. us. Sparky's is just
0: a good yeah.
2: dude that loves his family, unlike right. us, right? Exactly. All yeah, like God, Sparky, an American. American. Sparky says,
0: Sorry, I didn't mean to disrespect you. I think I understand Sparky's point oh, hey. in terms of us not understanding the full dynamics. We like, still love you, lot about us, where I couldn't care if my brother was crying. Yeah, well, he gets I a few million lights, lights in and he gets
1: feisty, right? Totally. <laughs> Totally honest, my favorite segment we've done in probably like five pods. So, Sparky, you win for comment of the night, the one that clearly freaking goaded me. And I
0: will tell you, you, Sparky, this is more the wrath of the whole fantasy league thing. There's a lot of yeah. built up pressure there. So, yeah, gonna, <laughs> you know? gonna have to excuse Dally. Yeah. He just has to unload that fantasy pressure somewhere. You know, a lot of very, lot of very, right very trauma right
2: bubbling to the surface
0: here. Yeah. <laughs> okay, real quick. Now that you guys argued about Everton, they can go down. Let's (laughs) just—I honestly, they have a chance to stay up, but I think we're pretty set on rooting for them going down. Let's go to the Champions League real quick. Lineup prediction, score prediction. Bickler, go. Lineup prediction:
2: Alley in goal, at left back, Van Dijk, Kanate, Trent on the right. Fab in the hole, Tiago on the left, Henderson on the right, Money in the middle, Mo
0: on the right. Ah, oh, fuck. Diaz on the left. I'll go Diaz. I was gonna go Diaz as well. Uh, what do you have there? Oh, uh, score prediction before we move the gal, jump to Galley. Two, two nil. Us, the good guys. What do you have, Galley?
1: I am going to say, I'm going to give the score first and say that I, I actually agree with Paul. I'm going to say two nil. I think this is one where maybe Tiago starts from the bench and it's just a matter of the amount of sheer minutes that have been racked up on his legs over the last three weeks. Um, probably the most we've seen him play average minutes per match. He hasn't had any from the bench in a while. And I think that this one makes sense. Um, and maybe Kata's pressing might add a little bit in there, put them under pressure early. I could see us trying to kind of rest the legs a little bit here and then save the extra minutes for Tiago on the the second leg where it might require some extra time and we have the shorter turnaround for the next match. So I honestly don't know if that will happen. I agree with Paul on all the other parts of the lineup. I think Kanate might be the – Easiest person to plot in because I honestly believe that the Champions League is basically
0: his at this point. You guys seen, Think we see Costas out there? Just throw a cure ball. No, nobody's biting. Okay, I'm not either, but I just figured out of the back four, apart from Konate, that's the only person I can kind of see uh, being almost like worked in.
1: Costas might get to start Saturday morning with the quick, quick turnaround and the 7:30 or the lunchtime start over in England. Maybe Costas gets the start against Newcastle, but I, I, I just feel like he's going he's gonna to run out those six, seven guys that are the every-match starters. Costas, Trent, Verge, Allison, Fab, Mo, probably Mane. And I think the others get filtered in with those subtle changes, but I just don't think we're going to see much from the wingbacks or the wings getting much rest the rest of this way. Hopefully the summer is a lot of time off because they played a
0: lot of football yeah they did well at least there's no world cup or anything like that in summer because we're doing it in freaking winter but yeah i think i'm seeing kata too i think tiago can take some minutes off that way and we can see Keitas kind of pressing with hendo he'll be a lot more rested as well because he came in at the end so fab hendo Keta, and i agree with the front three with bickler with diaz i'm going three one I think they do get a goal on one of those counters. It's a team. I mean, I watched them against United both times. They do counter well, and they have some players. So I'd be worried about that on one of the counters with that high line. But I think we win this 3-1. It's kind of like an important game just because it will kind of help us maybe rest some players in the second leg. If we get like a favorable score over here that we can kind of take to Spain and that will help the Premier League lineups and stuff like that. So now that we got that sorted out, we will be back on Thursday. I will be back in action uh, hosting Chris Strain over here in the comments who says, wait, he says what we can see is Kelly off camera celebrating. And yeah, once she wins, we got to bring Kelly on the podcast and then i will be Listen. afraid for sparky Park or anybody else on the podcast that day because they will get to rest
1: <laughs> all, all i got all i have to say is is we clearly talk about kelly far too often in the discord channel if chris strain is spelling her name correctly l-l-i-e on the podcast because it took me three and a half years of dating her to stop spelling her name k-e-l-l-y so the fact right. is because, well, you guys still you guys will spell it right in one text and then the next message spell it wrong. So I just figured i oh, we're not married like, to her. <laughs> well, I wasn't either. That was the whole point. It took us seven years to even get that far. I'm lucky she waited that long and she did. But Shelly
2: definitely feels
1: she like
2: freaking She definitely feels like the first girl allowed in the treehouse,
1: you know what I mean? Like
2: <laughs> like we don't normally do this, but you can come in. Like, yeah,
1: we'll we'll put the "No Girls Allowed" sign yeah, right up on yeah. the door, and then she'll pop her head through the treehouse floor, and we'll be like, "Oh, come on in, Kelly. You beat all. We of We need our help setting our lineups. Floor.
0: Come on in. Who's <laughs> <laughs> starting this week, sweetheart? Bench boost. It is okay, everyone. Thanks yeah. a lot for listening commenting as always give us a like definitely regis- uh sign up for our subscribe i should say see that's the correct ter- terminology you can tell i don't see it often enough uh subscribe to the youtube channel Comments below uh so we will see you guys on thursday hopefully after an awesome champions league first leg take care everybody